I have three favorite songs. Number one, The Hallelujah Chorus by Friedrich Handel. By the way, I think he was British, wasn't he? That's just interesting. Anyway, Friedrich Handel, number one. And then Freebird by Leonard Skinner, number two. And then The Great Divide by Henrietta Sun, which is that song that these guys wrote. Nate and uh, Vince wrote that. Is that awesome? Yeah. So let's pray. So Lord God, we thank you this day for our country. I thank you for those that have gone before. I thank you that we get to live here. There's no place else on the face of the earth that I would rather live. And I thank you. I thank you, Lord God. And now I pray that you would help us to preach about your kingdom, Lord God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm free to do what I want any old time. Love me, love me, love me, hold me, but I'm free to do what I want any old time, any old time. Free, my song oh, gets. Out of time. Though it gets out of time. I'm free to sing my song. Though it's old time. I'm free. Be hold me. I'm free. I'm free. Whoa! Why'd you turn off the video? Uh, why are you blowing that horn and singing off key? Well, um, I wanted to, wanted to play with the band, and Vince, Vince wouldn't let me. He said, no, Peter, but it's the 4th of July, baby, and I'm free. I'm free to toot my horn, and I'm free to sing what I want. And, and I'm free to turn the sound off. Yeah, I suppose I'll stop singing. But maybe uh, we could talk just a little bit about freedom. It's a huge topic. I was scared to tackle it, actually. And so we'll just skirt the edges a bit. And then maybe you can ponder these things. You can meditate on these things as you eat potatoes, potato salad and blow stuff up this evening, all right? So, what is freedom? What does it look like? If anyone were truly free, it would be this guy, right? An astronaut, untethered, floating free in space, completely unrestrained by anything else. I mean, in that freedom? Maybe this is freedom. No one can push you around if you got enough firepower. Maybe 
this is freedom. People make money and they keep money. Why? I think to guard their freedom, or at least what they think is freedom. Is that freedom? I mean, if there was freedom, you would think it would be the ability to create your own reality, right? Which would mean that you were maybe God or insane. Is a spoiled child free? Children that are free to do what they want often don't want what they do. And children that are free to get what they want then often don't want what they get. Seems to me that the most childish children are those children that think they are the most grown up. And it also seems true that the most childish adults are those adults that think they are the most grown up, so they take what they want. But they can no longer want what they take, for they've taken it. <laughs> they've, they've killed it. And what do they want? Love me, hold me. But I'm free to get what I want. Maybe because they always get what they want, they're incapable of wanting the one thing that will truly make them happy. They're not free to be happy because they think they deserve everything and so they can't receive anything. So how do you get freedom? And what is freedom? It's 4th of July and a Sunday. That means it's a day that folks skip church to celebrate our freedom. Eat potato salad and blow stuff up. And if I didn't have this job, I might be skipping church too. So if you're watching online later on July 5th and you skip church, don't feel guilty. I mean, I probably would have done the same thing too. It was on this day in 1776 that the Second Continental Congress voted to adopt the Declaration of Independence. It was the day that we declared our independence from bad legislation and declared that we would create better legislation, better, better laws. We declared ourselves independent of King George and England. So understandably, I'm a little bit embarrassed today to say that my daughter spent the last year studying at University of York in England. But I'm proud to say that on 4th of July last summer, under the cover of night, my daughter Becky went and she got, she got some tea and she went down to a ditch and she just threw it in! Take that, Queen Elizabeth! Ha! We declared our independence from England in 1776. You want to know my favorite bands in 1976, pretty much up until now? Or I'm entering Friedrich Handel, I think. Um, but then the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Elton John, uh, Queen, and definitely Led Zeppelin, and Leonard Skinner, you know, just to balance out the British invasion, Freebird, yeah, baby, free. 
We get People Magazine each week at my house. Someone was doing a fundraiser, and now we get like two copies every week, and we can't seem to cancel it without messing up our credit rating. Do you know what's on about half? I just grabbed this one. Do you know what's on about half of the covers of People Magazine every, every week? Prince Harry, Prince William, Queen uh, Elizabeth, uh, Princess Diana, somebody from the royal family. Good thing we declared our independence from England. This is how the Declaration of Independence starts, United States Declaration of Independence. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God whatever that means, equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed with certain unalienable rights. I had to look up the word unalienable to see if it really meant what I thought it meant. According to the Webster Dictionary, it means impossible to take away. So do we have an unalienable right to life? And can a government secure that right? I mean, it's kind of weird for a government to claim that all men have this right to life and then declare war and invoke the death penalty. Even weirder to claim that this right to life is self-evident and unalienable. I mean, didn't Thomas Jefferson know that all men die? And usually, usually when they don't want to. And do we have an unalienable right to liberty? For a man like Jefferson, that's an especially strange assertion to make. He owned 600 slaves. Fathered several children by one, starting, I think, when she was like 16 or so. It's an especially strange assertion to make in reference to a government that was at the time imprisoning people like British soldiers and wouldn't allow minorities or women to vote. You know, there is, there is no earthly government that actually believes in the unalienable right of all people to life and liberty. Think about it. What could possibly be more self-evident than that? And yet, who on earth does not have a right to pursue happiness? I mean, even Jefferson's slaves and British, and British soldiers, women could all pursue happiness, right? They could all pursue happiness unless, of course, you think happiness can only be had by claiming your rights under civil law to do what you want. And if you think that, will you be incredibly dependent upon your government to ensure your rights and guarantee your happiness? And in this way, the principalities and the powers of this world will keep you in bondage. Whoa. 
I just started way more conversations than I'm able to finish. <laughs> chew the fat. Yeah, chew the fat. On Tuesday, 6 o'clock, you can email me. But for now, okay, for now, I'm just asking this question. Is freedom secured by something like the United States Declaration of Independence? And is, this is more important maybe, is freedom secured by claiming your rights and using every bit of legislation to do so? Because if there's one thing we're good at, it's that, right? Now you may be thinking, okay, I get your point, Peter. Freedom isn't anything an earthly government could grant. Freedom is something that God has already granted, for he's given to each of us free will. <clears throat> now it really gets hard. What is free will? Now I realize that different people use that term in different ways, and they mean different things by it, but I would think a free will would be a will that's not determined by anything else. In other words, one that makes its own decisions independently. Many secularists would say, well then there is no such thing as a free will. For a truly free will would be an entirely undetermined will, and that is an uncaused cause, and there is no such thing as an uncaused cause. Violates the laws of cause and effect. There is no such thing as an uncaused cause. I've heard many Christians say God, whom the Bible describes as an uncaused cause, I've heard them say this, God would never violate your free will. Man, the concept of free will is confusing, but that statement is incredibly confusing. The term free will is confusing, and that's partly because, you know, you just can't find it in Scripture, at least not in the term that we use it. There's sometimes an Old Testament word is translated for the free will offering, but you just can't really find the concept, the term free will in in scripture, and yet there must be some term for an uncaused cause that causes everything else and is entirely undetermined by anything else. We well, see, if you really had an entirely free will, wouldn't you be the uncaused cause? Or maybe a bit delusional. Do you do whatever you want? and want whatever you do? Do you, Nate? Do you get whatever you want and want whatever you get? If there is a God and we have, quote, free will, clearly God violates our free will and thereby demonstrates that it's not free. It's not, it's not free for none of us does whatever he wants and gets whatever she wants and all of us die. Don't we? To be honest, I'm grateful that we don't get whatever we want. Because frankly, I'm not exactly sure most of the time what it is that I want. A lot of things that I've wanted haven't made me happy once I've gotten them. I'm like a little child that way. I want what's good, but I'm not exactly sure what the good is. Many years ago, my daughter Elizabeth threw a fit because she wanted a buffalo for the backyard. 
and I wouldn't comply with her wishes. They weren't good. And the cost of making her see that her wishes weren't good was just too high. Sorry, sweetheart. Sorry about your mangled, crippled, and bleeding body. But because I refused to violate your free will, we put a buffalo in the backyard. Too bad. Coleman wanted to be a backhoe. Like I told you, not drive a backhoe, but be a backhoe. He didn't know it was bad, but with that wish, he was wishing away what? His very own soul. He also wanted to eat dirt, and I wouldn't let him eat dirt. And so you know what he did? He hid from me. But I found him out. I found him out eating dirt alone in the darkness. And you know what I did? I violated his free will with my will. I forced him to stop eating dirt and made him eat pizza with the rest of the family while watching movies on TV. I think John showed the greatest wisdom at that time. One day, Susan took him shopping for shoes back when there were these people called shoe salesmen. I don't know if any, some of you remember that. But anyway, this shoe salesman asked John, John, do you like the blue sneakers or the red sneakers? And John turned to Susan and he said, Mommy, do I like the blue sneakers or the red sneakers? And Susan showed the grace of his wisdom of all because she turned to John and she said, well, John, I don't, I don't know. Tell me how you feel about the blue sneakers and the red sneakers. She knew John wasn't free. But she wanted to help John be free. Free to choose the good. And in the case of sneakers, it was a small and rather inconsequential decision. So Susan freely chose to help John freely choose the good, what he enjoyed and didn't hurt anyone else. Well, anyway, I was just saying that the term free will is an awfully confusing term. And when some people use the term, I find it not only confusing, but actually a bit terrifying. For it seems to me that they're talking about incredibly consequential decisions. It's my experience that people often use the term free will once they've given up on love. For instance, uh, troubled, by someone that's made a terrible host, a big host, made a host of terrible decisions, you know, like drinking themselves into oblivion or, or losing one more job because of their laziness. In, in reference to someone uh, like that, people will often say, well, God will not violate our free will. Don't need to feel sorry for them. <laughs> free will. Sometimes we say stuff like that in order to blame other persons for their bad decisions. Well, they did choose it, and well, God did give us free will. And we say stuff like that in order to justify ourselves with our good decisions. Well, you know, I deserve a vacation and a big salary and, and a boat. I, I freely chose to work hard, and so all this wealth, well, it rightfully belongs to me and not them. And it's my experience that Christians, Christians of all people, often say stuff like this to explain while well, they'll be rewarded with endless bliss in a, in a place called heaven, and their enemies will be tormented with endless pain in a place that they call hell. They've given up on love. And God is love. 
See, I suspect that the thing we often call free will is actually bad will. For if, if one thinks that their own free will is entirely free and entirely free will, they will will, most likely they will will all wills away. All other wills they'll will away and uh, they'll will away all the wills that don't agree with their will. What they will. That's, that's why spoiled children are not happy. And that's why powerful people, rich people, and delusional people are often very lonely people. Rich and powerful people have the means to make other wills comply with their own will, but those other wills are not free wills. That's, you know, just an illusion that they actually love them. And delusional people just create that illusion in their own mind, a false reality in which, you know, they're always right and everyone else is always wrong. You know, maybe the only way to know that you're not creating your own false reality, that is, that you're not uh, deluded, that, that you're not utterly alone, is to ask yourself, are there things in my reality that don't agree with me? Because maybe I didn't create those. Are there events that cause me to suffer? In other words, not get my will, not get my way, because well, then I probably didn't create those events. Are there people with whom I don't always agree? People who, you know, turn out to be right and reveal that I'm wrong because then I, well, I probably didn't create those people. It's ironic, but the process of falling in love is the process of finding another will that violates your own will. Listen closely to this because I think this is really important. The process of falling in love is the process of finding another will that violates your own will. That is a will that doesn't agree with you. It's the process of finding another will that violates your own will and then freely willing to surrender your free will to that other will. That free decision to surrender your free will to that other will is called a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is called love. Well, my point is that what we often call free will is really bad will. And so with our supposed free will, we will ourselves into outer darkness where men weep and gnash our teeth. We will ourselves into a place like this. A place where we are affected by no one. A place where we are entirely alone, and so love is an impossibility, because love is something that happens between persons. Well, the thing I think we often call free will is bad will, and with that thing we call free will, then we will ourselves into hell. So far from being saved by our free choice, we're damned by the very thing that we call our free choice, and so we need to be saved from the very thing that we call uh, free will, which turns out to be bad will. <laughs> In other words, we need to be saved from our judgment by someone else's good judgment. We need to be liberated from bondage. Not just some of us, but all of us. Ha-Adam, humanity, the Adam 
People say, well, it was Adam's free will to take the fruit from the tree, and yet Adam wasn't free to choose the good, right? Since he obviously didn't know what the, the good was. He didn't have the knowledge of good and evil. I wouldn't call that free will. I wouldn't call it free will so much as like a, a random will. But call it whatever you will, Adam's supposed free choice was revealed to be a bad choice. And once he exercised that choice, he discovered that he wasn't free. He was enslaved to sin. And that's bad will. So with our, quote, free will, we all choose bondage. That's the overarching huge theme of the entire Old Testament. Choose this day, and they all choose bondage. And now I know what some of you, or maybe all of you, are thinking. You're thinking, well, Peter, if there's no free will, then we're all just determined. That is, predestined. Then we're all just robots incapable of love, then there's no such thing as persons, and that's true. If there's no such thing as free will. But you know, there is one type of person that really doesn't have free will, or much free will. I mean, maybe it's just like the size of a seed, but hardly anything. There's a type of person that we really don't blame for bad decisions, for this type of person really doesn't have the knowledge of good and evil. There's a type of person that isn't free to choose the good, and yet is determined by another person, a parent, to one day choose the good in freedom, and that type of person is called a baby. Yeah, a baby. People die for babies. And didn't Jesus say you must become like little children in order to enter? And aren't spoiled children, those children that think they're grown up, even declare that they're grown up when in fact they're actually not grown up? And, and, and when little children declare their independence, don't they often just experience then more bondage and less freedom? Well, I for one am happy that we declared our independence from Great Britain, King George, and Old England. I'm just saying that although it may be a foretaste and a sign of freedom, it's not real freedom. Americans have a declaration of independence, but believers also have a declaration of independence, which is ironically a declaration of dependence on a king, and it's perhaps stated most clearly in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I wish we had time to look at all of Galatians, but we don't because we've got potato salad stuff to blow up. But that's your homework to read Galatians this week, okay? Uh, the theme of Galatians, I think, is probably summed up most concisely in Galatians 5.1. For freedom, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Right off the bat, it reveals several fascinating things. Number one, in case you thought I was saying that your freedom doesn't matter, Paul is saying that your freedom really, 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 super, really, really, really matters. It matters so much to God your Father that he arranged for you to take his life on a tree in a garden, also that you could watch him give his life on that same tree in that same garden. Also, you might know that he is good and then choose him in freedom. His free will is that you would will all things in freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So number two, 
if Christ has set you free, then it sounds like you were not free when he set you free, or before he set you free. So, so of course God won't violate your free will if you don't have free will. But whatever the case, your freedom does not save you. And yet it is for freedom that you are saved. For freedom, Christ set you free. So number three, if Christ set you free when you were not free, then it's God's free will that liberates you from your own bad will that you thought was free will. Right, I think every sinner, at least at the start, thinks, oh, I'm free, woohoo. And so God's free will to save you if, if it was God's free will that saved you from your bad will, God's free will to save you is obviously stronger than your own bad will to damn you. Jesus actually is God's free will, God's word, God's judgment, God's choice. You're not saved by your free choice. You're saved by God's free choice, and that's the whole point of election. Not that some people are chosen and other people are not chosen. The whole point of election is that you were chosen when you were unable to choose. It's God's free will that liberates you from your bad will that you thought was your free will. So when you suffer in this world, when you don't get your way in this world, when you die in this world, you naturally think that God is violating your will. And he is. He's violating your will, but not your free will. He's violating your, your bad will that you thought was your free will. Uh, your bad will that traps you in outer darkness, loneliness, death, and hell. Salvation is the violation of your own bad will that you think is free will. And so St. Paul's declaration of independence is a declaration of depend, uh, dependence upon the free will of God. His name is Jesus. And that name means God is salvation. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, in fact, if, if, if that's still confusing, which I'm sure it is, when thinking about freedom, I found it helpful to ask, freedom from what and freedom to what or for what? Uh, the Western church has been good at asking the question, freedom from what? And the Eastern church, the Orthodox church, has been good at asking the question, freedom for what or freedom to what? So first, let's ask, what does Jesus free us from? Well, like we said, he frees us from bad will that we thought was free will, that is sin, but to be more specific, he sets us free from number one, a lie. The snake said to the Adam, ha-adam, humanity, surely you won't die. Death is a separation from life. And then he tempted the Adam to take the fruit from the tree. He tempted the Adam to take knowledge of the good that we now know is the life. <laughs> Do we have an unalienable right to life? Jesus is the life. Do we have an unalienable right to Jesus? I mean, do you have a right to life or is your life 100% gift? 
Do you have a right to freedom? Such that, you know, you could just demand it or take it like fruit from some tree. Freedom. Or, or is your freedom 100% gift? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So Jesus sets us free from, number one, the lie, and number two, the law. That's what Galatians is, is, is really about. The yoke of slavery is the law. It looks like a crossbeam, a yoke. It's the law. The law is the knowledge of good and evil, right? The knowledge of good and evil, law. Yeah, carved in stone or written on a book or perhaps dead and hanging on a tree. The snake said, take knowledge of good and evil from the tree and use it. Use it. What? Use it to save yourself. Use it to create yourself. Use it to justify yourself. Use it to make yourself in the image and likeness of God. So we took Christ's life on the tree called the cross. We took Christ's life on the tree. We took living knowledge and we turned it into dead knowledge, all because we believed the lie that we could make ourselves in the image of God with our knowledge of good and evil. Read Galatians, and you'll see that Jesus frees us from, number one, the lie, number two, the law, and number three, the flesh. The flesh is this body of death, according to Paul. Body of death. The flesh is this body of death, the, the, the thing that we grow by consuming the life. The life, which we usually call food. And yet the problem with the flesh is not that it consumes life. In fact, Jesus, who is the life, even said, this is my body, this is my blood. Eat me, drink me. The problem is not that we eat food, but that we take food for ourselves and don't share it with our neighbors. And we don't share it with our neighbors for our flesh only feels its own pleasure. Our flesh only feels its own pain. But imagine if you actually felt your neighbor's pleasure. And imagine if you actually felt your neighbor's pain. Well, then you and your neighbor would be like one body. Well, anyway, Jesus frees us from number one, the lie, number two, the law, number three, the flesh, and number four, quote, the elemental spirits or principles of this world. Galatians 4.3, the stoicheion. In other, in other places, I think Paul refers to the stoicheion as the principalities and powers, the world rulers of this present darkness. The United States may be the best principality and power of this world, but you see, it's still a principality and power of this world. And they all, they all invite you to save yourself from bad legislation with more legislation. <laughs> and no legislation can save you from legislation. And yourself. And your own bad will. I mean, it's a tremendously seductive lie, number one that you can take knowledge, number two, and so create a self, number three, to impress the principalities and powers of this world, number four. It's a very seductive lie that turns an innocent will into a bad will that thinks it's a free will. But it's because I think I have to create myself, save myself, and justify myself that I can't just be myself. <laughs> My true self. My greatest bondage 
is to me. You know, it's often such torture for me to write a sermon. And I think that's because I think I have to prove myself. And so I cannot just express myself. Can I show you my favorite sermon ever written? There's a picture, and, and I keep a copy in my desk drawer. It's been there for like 30 years now. I used to have several of these. This one, um, both Becky and Elizabeth would write these for me. This one was written by Elizabeth when she was two or three years old. When I would be struggling to write a sermon, she would see me struggling and write a sermon for me. She wanted to help. She never asked if her sermons were good or bad. She didn't know if the sermons were good or bad because she didn't know what the good or the bad was. It was just in her nature to write them as an expression of her love for me. And her love for me was my love for her returning to me through her, and none of that love really belonged to either of us. She wasn't trying to be good, she just was good. And so she wrote sermons for me, and she was happy, and she was free, and to me, nothing could be more beautiful. I suspect that's how God judges my sermons, whether or not they're free expressions of my love for him. My love for him must be who it is that I truly am. If so, who I truly am has gotten trapped deep down inside of all my anxieties about me, the me that I think I should be, the me that I'm trying to justify, the true me trapped like a breath deep down inside a jar of clay or something. You know, Elizabeth used to write sermons for me until someone taught her how to write and how to judge her own writing. And then she stopped. She started trying to do the good, unaware that she was good, and that's bad. And yet, and yet that bad will turn into something even better, for one day she will return to the garden, and she will know it for the very first time, and once again write sermons for me in freedom. And not only will I be able to read them, you will be able to read them. Everyone will be able to read them and see that they're good, including Elizabeth. She will know the good and freely do the good and know that the good has set her free. Now, I don't know if I explained all of that exactly right, and theologians all argue all about the imago Dei, the original seed, and all that kind of stuff, but what I'm pointing out is that Jesus sets us free from our false self so that we can be our true self, so we can live his life, which is the constant and free decision to love as he is loved by our Father. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, or in the way I've been talking about, it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the, this is the literal translation, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus sets us free from our bondage to ourselves. And he sets us free to live life 
and he is that life. He sets us free to love, and that's what it is that we all truly want. <laughs> that's the good. See, the biblical word for free will is love. God is love. And real love is God. And God is free. So God does not violate free will in you, for any free will in you is his own spirit in you, like, you know, a breath in a, in a jar of clay. But free will is not a thing that you possess. Free will is more like a person that possesses you. And so God doesn't rape you. He romances you. For he longs for you to be free as he is free. He longs for you to fall in love with him. For you see that he is willed to sacrifice his own will that your will would be free as his will is free. When we take free will as a possession... We will every other will away and will ourselves into one enormous, self-centered, and very, very lonely person. But God is not one enormous, self-centered, very, very lonely person. God is three enormous, other-centered, not lonely persons that constantly give themselves away. God is three persons and one dance of absolute freedom called love. Jesus is the logic Logos, the logic of love. Jesus is the life of love. Jesus is faith in love. Jesus is love giving himself to you and setting you free to dance with him and all creation. So if you're worried about your freedom, oh, you don't have to worry about that. You have been predestined by God for absolute freedom. I'm talking about so much freedom that it would terrify you if you saw it right now. For freedom, Christ is now giving you his own freedom, and that's not just freedom from, that is freedom to create reality. And yet, because that freedom is love, you won't simply create your own reality. You and I will create our reality. I think that's like called the kingdom of God. God will use us to create our reality. We're part of, of that. That's mind-boggling to me. We will all sing our individual songs, but it will all be one song and no song will ever be sung out of tune or out of time. We'll each toot our own horns. We'll toot our own horns, but, but together we will form a symphony. So we'll be free to do what we want any old time. So love me, hold me, because we're free. We're free to get what we want, and we'll want exactly what we get. Your free will and my free will will harmonize with every other free will, and it will all be love. The free will of God. And that's beautiful. That's good. That's the good. We will be what we truly are, the dancing body of Jesus the Christ. For who is Jesus the Christ? But the will of God in human flesh. Human flesh united under one head to whom we all belong and to, we, to whom we all, we all long to, to obey. And what is heaven? But everyone doing what they want and wanting what they do and getting what they want and wanting what they get, and, and that's, that's love. 
I'm just saying that the liar, the liar will tempt you to think that this is free will. One will that has willed every other will away and willed itself into the void. This is my favorite picture of um, free will. This is a picture of my father freely surrendering his will to my daughter's will. And my daughter freely surrendering her will to my father's will. This is a picture of both of them dancing to the same song. And they're happy. They're free. The United States of America is my favorite country in the world. But make no mistake, this is our declaration of independence. For on the night that we all betrayed him, the free will of God in human flesh took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood. The life is in the blood. Poured out for the forgiveness of sins, drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. And so we invite you to, to come forward. And um, I'm sorry, I have to ask this. I'm going to stop right here for a second. Bud and Linda, did, you just, did your kids just have a baby? Okay, that's freedom, right? Okay, do, you, do you understand that we live in a womb of a world? So imagine how that baby can't even comprehend what freedom is. And now it's the baby's terrified because I bet it was born crying, right? Was it crying? That's a good sign because somebody violated its will. The entire world turned against that baby and it thinks it's dying, but it's being born. It's being set free. Well, well that's a beautiful picture of this. This is kind of like the umbilical cord, I think. But anyway, we invite you to come forward. Tear off a, well, no, and tear off a piece of bread. We'll have pieces of bread down here and we'll have cups. And we invite you to come forward and declare your freedom. Uh, freedom from, um, what was it that, that I said? The principalities and powers of this world, the world rulers of this present darkness. Freedom from this body of death that only feels its own pleasure and its own pain and not that of others. And freedom from the law, that impulse in you to always prove yourself or justify yourself. You're forgiven. Let it go. Freedom. Freedom from that. And, and freedom from the lie that our Father is not good. So come declare your freedom. Freedom to love and be loved forevermore in Jesus' name. And so, Father... We thank you that you're the king and you're our dad. And Jesus, you are the will of the Father and Holy Spirit, you're the breath of the Father. And you're free. So if you will for us, come home and to be with you, it will happen. 
no matter how much we will to eat dirt in the backyard. That's good news. In Jesus' name, amen. And so may you today celebrate your freedom. Freedom from Queen Elizabeth. She can't boss you around. And you don't have to listen to the Beatles if you don't want to. And you may think, well, gosh, if you put it that way, you take all the fun out of it. Well, then celebrate an even greater freedom that God has set you free. And now you may be thinking to yourself, well, okay, that's, that's neat. I hear that at church, but I don't feel so free. Got arthritis in my toe, my back hurts. I'm getting old, can't seem to control basically anything in my life. Well, remember that your father is setting you free from a bad will that you thought was a free will. I still remember looking down at, at Coleman with dirt caked around his mouth, telling me he didn't eat any dirt, and tears running down his, his cheeks, you know, and, and making him come inside so he couldn't eat any more dirt. He had to eat pizza with everybody else. And Coleman was here this. He was here at home this last week. It was so great, went jeeping, and had an awesome lunch, and uh, fair play. But anyway, um, I didn't say this to him, but I could have said this to him. I said, Coleman, Everything that's mine is yours, and I own the backyard. Have at it. <laughs> but he doesn't want to eat dirt anymore. And so you see, your father, um, even though at times he may seem like a tyrant, he's good. And he's setting you free to will all things, a new creation, in freedom. And to know like Elizabeth will one day, day know that, that she's good and that she can live from that place and her Father in Heaven delights in that place. And so in the name of Jesus, believe the gospel and be free. Amen? Oh, let me say too, if you'd like prayer, uh, Ted will be down front here. Uh, uh, he'd love to pray with you. Also, if you want to, the chew the fat thing, if you want to talk, because freedom is a really hard topic, but if you want to talk about that, uh, it's six o'clock, and you can email, you can email me. Also, we put the, we'll put the trans, we put the transcripts on the line, and this one has a whole lot of footnotes that, uh, because this is something that people have debated, you know, for thousands of, of years. So if you want that, that's there, but have a wonderful 4th of July. And Linda on a grandbaby during church.